What's up, Gator Country? Man, Andrew Spivey back with Ethan. Ethan, we're back, man. And uh, things have changed a little bit over the last few days. Uh, we got visitors back on campus uh, for the cookout on Tuesday. Uh, baseball is about to play for a regional. Uh, my Jaguars are coming to town, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Softball had a uh, not-so-good finish. And uh, official visitors this weekend. So uh, a lot to talk about, a lot to get to. Uh, uh, first off, uh, I guess you were on campus Tuesday. Was it nice to see kids for a change? Yeah, it was. Anything better than just Zoom and phone interviews at this point, and you combine that with the fact that we're going to see full capacity potentially baseball, it's just nice to feel like things are what they used to be at this point. Let me ask you, you're you're uh, a tad younger than me, so you've been through this process a little uh, um uh, later than I have. Uh, how how difficult would it have been for you to never see a campus and make a decision? I mean, for me, it would have been easy because I went to college you know, thirty minutes from home. So yeah, but so I don't. I can't really relate to these. Okay, well, let me ask you this: How hard would it have been for you to go out of state without seeing a campus? Oh, impossible. Yeah, I mean, that would not have. Happened. Right, exactly. So, you know, it's good to see, um, you know, uh, Florida had, you know, about 50 or so uh, prospects on campus uh, on Tuesday for the cookout. Um, overall, I thought it was a really good event. You know, uh, some people uh, kind of, you know, was upset that, you know, different things uh, were going on that it, they said it kind of looked cheesy at times uh, and, and different things like that. Overall, I thought it was a really good event. Um, I felt they got you know, a lot of quality players, uh, prospects on campus. Um, I thought they were, you know, able to uh, spend a lot of time with them. Um, you know, they took them on the uh, bus tour around campus. They had the photo shoot. They had the barbecue from uh, former Gator great Shannon Snail. Uh, so, you know, a lot of things uh, overall. Uh, I first saw that he said, you know, when you were able to kind of see them get on campus and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, what was your just overall take of the event in general? Um, from what we got to see from sitting on a bench in the parking lot, it was, I mean, it sounded, sounded like it was pretty loud. They had the stadium music and everything blaring. It sounded like it was a party in there, which I guess is what you're aiming for on the first day after a lengthy dead period. Kind of grabbed these kids' attention and seemed, I mean, it grabbed everybody that walked by his attention. So it, I would think it was effective for the guys that were participating as well. Yeah, and you know, again, it's it's always you know one of those things where you know do, do, how much how much can you see, how much can you do, you know, when you're as far as atmosphere goes, you know, when you're uh, uh, not in school, not in session, you know, as far as you know for games and that kind of stuff. Uh, so you know, you have to kind of create that atmosphere in the swamp and that kind of stuff. You know, I I thought they did. I mean, again, for what they can, I thought they did a good job of it. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing, and, uh, you know, you can correct me if you think differently here. I think the biggest thing in general was just getting them on campus to, to see coaches in person, to meet coaches in person and to put, you know, face to, to, to the voice. And, you know, I mean, I know they see them on zoom and everything else, but seeing somebody on zoom and then meeting them in person, in my opinion, is just a, a huge difference. It's definitely a huge difference. I feel like that's kind of what the staff sort of relies on too is they like to build that in-person kind of connection with these guys especially when you take a guy like tim brewster like that's what he does and he's i can't imagine he's the same 
uh, attractive personality on a screen as he would be in person. He He's a guy that just kind of dominates a room, and for the last year plus, that his, his biggest strength was basically taken away from him. Yeah, and I think you make a good point there. You know, obviously, you know, Brewster does a good job of recruiting, you know, over the phone and in Zoom. But like you said, that energy, that, that, that you know, momentum you can gain from that energy is there. You know, I, I say this all the time. John Hevesy's not going to land a commit just over the phone. It just isn't going to happen. That's not his personality. Uh, you know, Greg Knox, same way. You know, uh, these guys are, like you said, more about in person, seeing guys, you know, being able to, be, to, to show them things on, on the computer, uh, you know, on film, uh, you know, in the film room and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, they're more of a hands on approach than it is, you know, just Zoom and that kind of stuff. You know, I always say that, that if, if Mullen gets kids on campus, that's where he does well. You you know, it's when he doesn't get kids on campus that he that he has problems. And uh, like you said, the the energy was there for sure. Um, you know, being able to see that. You know, I always say it, and I'm I mean, like I said before, it's big to see campus, but that's not the the win all win all. The the win all win all is the the staff and 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 the 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 area you know that you're going to be at seeing that the football facilities more so than the campus in general uh, is the biggest thing. And overall, I thought it was a good you know first you know day of recruiting that's going to lead into you know they're going to they had some guys on campus on Wednesday. They're going to have 13 official visitors this weekend. I thought it was good. The the biggest thing that is is you know you're having a lot of these guys on campus early because it's new and kids are wanting to visit. Can you get them on later, you know, in the fall when it's, you know, time to really nail down some commitments? Can you get them on campus then? Yeah. And I think something important too is they've got to get a commitment out of all this from the uh, barbecue and now you have an official visitors. You've got to get somebody on board to kind of keep this momentum going. Otherwise, is it just one week and then, then it's dead again? Yeah, I mean, you know that—that's the thing. You—you've got to—you've got to start landing some commits out of these official visits. You know, you're going to have 13 this weekend. You know, you had all those guys that came on campus uh, on, on Tuesday. You know, you, you need to—you need to start to see a little bit of momentum. You know, you, are you going to see a bunch? I don't think so. I think you're going to see more so than ever before kids wanting to take all five of their visits. They haven't been able to visit. They're going to want to take more visits. Um, so I, I think I don't think you're going to see a, a run on commitments, but I, you definitely want to get some going in the right direction yeah and i th also think it's interesting too like if does a five-star guy like michael williams come on campus if, if everything's normal and this wasn't the first opportunity to visit in a long time or does all of a sudden because everybody just wants to visit somewhere is that going to possibly lead to them getting some visitors that they otherwise might not have much of a shot at getting yeah, I mean that's a good point. You know, the thing I'll say to this is, and and that is, he had a chance to visit anywhere he wanted to the first day, and every school in America probably wanted him to visit, and Ford was able to get him on campus. You know, that to me, I and I and I still think Ford is a long shot for Michael. But to me, that has to say something. You know, it has to say something for all those guys that took, you know, the, the first visit to Florida for an unofficial visit and paid their own way. You know, I, that to me says a lot, you know, about those guys. Um, you know, I, I say this, say it with, you know, the official visits coming this weekend. I don't know per se if it's a good thing to have them as the first visit. Um, you know, is they're going to have a high from 
being on campus for the first time, you know, being official visitor for the first time and getting the red carpet treatment versus being last. I, you know, I don't know. We'll see. It's it's never uh, this never happened before where they hadn't been able to take visits. So it's going to be different. Uh, we'll see. But I, I think that it was telling that a lot of those guys decided to take their first visit to Florida like they did. I want to say this, too. And, and and we hadn't talked about this yet, but it was also interesting that they decided to announce announce the damn all and got a contract extension while kids were on campus. Yeah, and that yeah, that's not an accident. No, not at all. Give us the rundown of that of the contract extensions. He got yeah, one. So, White got one. Yeah, yeah. So Mullen got a million and a half dollar raise per year. It's going to put him up $7.6 million per season, which makes him the third highest paid coach in the SEC behind Nick Saban and Ed Orgeron. He's now under contract through the end of the 2026 season, so he got three more years, which I think is very much needed because of all the stuff that happened last year where he only has three years left and he's leaving for the NFL, which he, he still might, but at least it looks better from an outside perception now that he's under contract for six years. And then basketball, Mike White got, I think, two more years through the 2025-2026 season, I believe, or 26-27, one or the other. And he his salary didn't increase, so it's just a contract length th- deal with him. And I know people get upset because they want him fired and everything, but the reality is if you're going to keep him as your coach, which is what Scott Strickland has opted to do, for recruiting purposes, you have to extend him to give recruits a reason to believe in the program that they're going to sign to. You can you can still ultimately decide that you want to go in a different direction next year, and you've made the buyout maybe a little more expensive. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but money's not going to be an issue at the University of Florida, I don't think. And so I just think it's it's more of a thing where they're trying to give White the best chance they can to build this thing the right way and not have this whole looking over his shoulder, waiting and see if he's going to get fired type of thing. They're trying to give him every resource that he needs to turn this thing around. Well, and you can't be a lame duck coach, you know, and and when I say a lame duck coach, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you only have one year remaining on your contract, but if you only have two years remaining on your contract, well, then coaches go and say, oh, well, he's not going to be there. He doesn't have a contract for your four whole four years of, of school, so why are you going to go there, or two years of school, three years of school, whatever it may be, you know, you don't, they don't have a contract for it, so you can't have that happen. Um, you know, as far as Mullen's contract extension, you know, I think we all expect that it to happen. Um, you know, there was even some talk that it was going to happen last year uh, before the pandemic and um, happened and, and all of that. So you kind of expected it to happen. Um, you know, it was more of a shock that it hadn't happened yet. Uh, but we all expected it. And again, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a raise. I think the, the kind of the, the thing that's funny to me and not from Mullen's perspective is that, you know, he is now the third highest paid coach behind Orgeron. I, I I just yeah. you brought this up uh, you know on Tuesday when it happened Orgeron second highest paid coach in the SEC yeah. Ed Orgeron yeah that 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 biggest thing that shocked me about all this is just I didn't realize how much the going rate for a head coach had gone in the SEC because I remember when Jimbo Fisher signed his seven and a half million dollar year contract that was considered like this huge blockbuster deal and now there's three coaches making more than him Orgeron I think. He obviously profited off of that national championship. He got a huge deal that he probably didn't quite deserve all of, but 
I mean, what are you going to do? You have to extend the guy that just had the greatest, one of the greatest seasons in college football history. Joe Burrow did. <laughs> yeah. Joe Burrow won you that national. Yeah. yeah. You can't sign him to a lifetime contract, though, so you got to sign somebody. Hey, here's the deal. Let's let's let LSU get Joe Burrow to a lifetime contract, and and Florida can get uh get Tebow. Let's uh, let's yeah. do that. Right, bring that 016 back. Well, I don't know that 016 back in their prime, okay? Or 018 back in their prime. Yeah, you get 08 back. Yeah, that would have been fun. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. I I was shocked. I didn't realize Orgeron was second highest paid coach in the SEC. Um, that 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 shocked me when uh when that came out. Um, and uh, Georgia fans were not very happy happy that uh he now Dan now makes more than Kirby. But uh, hey, you'll you'll be okay. Um, as far as Mike White goes, you know what'll happen with Mike White, that contract means nothing. Yeah, I always say, I mean, I say this all the time, contracts don't mean anything in college sports anyway, except for how much the buyout is. Four years, six years, eight years, it doesn't mean anything. They'll fire you tomorrow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jim McElwain got extended at least once, maybe twice, and they still fired him before he even got through his third year. Yeah, well, Gus Malzahn got a contract extension uh, a year or two before he was fired. So, yeah, it's... Whatever, you know, again, I, I it's whatever to me. I don't pay attention to those. But uh, let's go to baseball. Gators get the 15 seed. Is that what you expected? I mean, people are not uh, not happy that he that uh, Florida got the 15 seed. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I thought that was a little low. I thought they'd be a little higher, um, especially after making a, a little bit of a run in the SEC tournament. Um, I, what, what, do, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was surprised to see him that low just because all the polls and the postseason predictions that had come out before the SEC tournament had him in the 12 to 13 range. And then you go three and one, including a beatdown of a really good Mississippi State team. And then so I guess the perception is that somehow you went down or didn't move at all after a week like that, which the reality is we don't know where the committee had him. For all we know, Ford was on the outside looking in to host a regional prior to heading to Hoover, and they won themselves a regional spot. So, as far as their seeding, 15, it's, it's lower than I thought, but the matchup in the Super Regional round, if they make it through, which they've got a lot of work to do to get there, they get Texas in the Super Regional, which I still think is probably a better matchup. I'd rather play them than Tennessee or Vanderbilt again. So, I think it, the seeding really doesn't matter because the teams they got put in a regional, Miami, South Alabama, USF, the way the NCAA does things, those are probably going to be the same three teams in this regional, whether they were the number one overall seed or number 16. It's just it's so geographically based that there's really no advantage in the regional round for where you're seated. I'm not very happy about it for my Jaguars. Not yeah. very happy about it. They, 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 got, they got put in a bad bracket. Got I mean, a chance to pull off a big upset on Friday, though, against Miami. Hey, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to be Gators versus South Alabama on Saturday. Um, I, I kind of hope that doesn't happen, though, just because I want to see the 7,000 people in the stadium, and that's only going to happen if it's Miami. Nobody's okay. going to show up for a South Alabama-Florida game. Well, guess what? I, I'm not going to be there, so uh, I, I, I'm pulling for Jags-Gators, uh, you know, and, uh, and I, everyone asks me, you know, are you rooting for your Jags to upset the Gators? No, the Gators are good for business, uh, but I do want to see my Jags do well um, there, but uh, they should not have got put in that regional. Uh, I will say this, uh, you know, uh, Pitching wise, South Alabama has nothing for for Miami or Florida in this series. Uh, it will be interesting, though. I mean, I, I I'm with you. I'd probably say Miami and 
Florida will be your uh, Saturday uh, night matchup there. Uh, Miami took two or three from Florida early on. Now, this is not the same Florida team that, you know, is is now is playing now, and I don't think that's the same um, Miami team that's, you know, played early on. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on that matchup? Do you, do, you, do you like Florida in that? And, I mean, it sounds like Tommy Mace is going to throw on Friday against USF, so you're probably going to have Barco throwing on, on Saturday against Miami. Yep, it's it's going to be Hunter Barco on yeah Saturday against most likely Miami, assuming the Gators are able to take care of business against USF. Right. I think the Gators are a better team than Miami. I think even though they lost that series earlier this year, you look at what it took for Miami to win. It took Franco Alamon when he was they're still using him as the closer, walk five or six guys in a row in the bottom of, or the top of the ninth inning when they were up three, which that's a situation that's not going to happen now because Alamon's a starter and. Sully's going to have a much shorter leash on Leftwich or whoever would be in, in the ninth inning in that situation. And then the third game, Miami just pounded Hunter Barco. I think they got like eight runs off of him in two innings or something, and Barco's pitching much, much better than that since then. So I think Florida's the better team, and anything could happen. Miami very well could win this thing, but I think this is Florida's regional to lose. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and you know, again, we'll we'll get into the Texas matchup if that happens, and um, or when that happens, if if Texas was the you know is to win, and Florida's able to win, and um, all that stuff. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you're the 15th seed, you know, and uh, you're you're expected to win. The thing I'll say is. You know, is this the number one team in the country that we all thought it would be? No, it's not. And, and you know, we, we understand that. But this is your opportunity now. There is no more, you know, we'll get better tomorrow or next week. It's do or die. You know, your, your backs are against the wall. This is it. You know, Mace is probably gone after this year. Leftwich is probably gone after this year. Fabian's probably gone. Young's probably gone. You know, a lot of your team's probably gone. This is it. This is do or die for this team and you know backs are against the wall and you're going to see what this team's really made of you know they said they had a team meeting and after the Arkansas series when they got swept and 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 they did they looked much better in the SEC tournament uh and, and played well but this is it I mean it, you have to see what this team is uh mentally you know capable of doing uh, you know from a bounce back standpoint if they're able to go and you know Miami is going to be a team that's going to give them a fight can they fight off that fight? They haven't seemed like they could fight off the fight lately. No, and I think Miami's going to be tough to beat. They have a couple of the Del Castillo brothers know that lineup are a couple of guys that are, can really hit the ball, and then the bullpen's pretty deep. They've really come on over the last couple of weeks or so. Their starting rotation's still a little in flux, so but yeah, it's going to be Really interesting to see if they can fight through any kind of adversity because this is the kind of team where once they get down in games, they don't usually come back and win them. Like if it, they get down 3 nothing in the second inning, it, game's over. Right. Gators do not come back. They start swinging for the fences. They'll strike out 15 times, and it just becomes a fiasco. And so now it's going to be interesting to see if they can finally find that other gear of realizing if we don't get it together, this is our final game with this team ever play together again. So it'll be interesting to see if they can finally fight through that and find a way to make in-game adjustments instead of having to wait until after they lose before finding the right mindset entering the next game. And it's odd because this was a team, and, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it was very limited of what we were able to see, you know, last year. I mean, they didn't have, you know, very many games and yada, yada, yada. But that was a team last year that, that, that came back. 
you know, that battled for nine innings, that, you know, had those great rallies and stuff like that. And, and you know, to see them not fight back is, is odd. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very weird. But, you know, like you said, it, it's do or die for this team. Um, as far as Miami goes, are, uh, is it the same three starters that, that they've had all year that the Gators face? I don't believe so. I think the Friday night guy, Daniel Fetterman, I think he's still in a rotation, but not as the number one starter anymore. And then the other two guys, I think they've kind of changed it multiple times. I'm not even really sure who's in, who would be starting at Florida now. So they've right. basically been mixing up even more than Florida has, really. Yeah, I hadn't seen a, a probable rotation for Miami for this weekend yet. Um, so we'll uh, we'll have to continue to look on that. But um, again, you know, it's 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 their time, and you know, this should be a regional that they do win. Will it be tough? Yeah, but you know, maybe it, maybe this tough, you know, will will help this team to to battle through it. You know, maybe that Saturday night packed house that we're all rooting for, uh, you know, gets Miami. Maybe that'll get this team rolling. And you know, you baseball is a game of who's hot. You know, I always say that. You know, we, we always joke about wild card teams winning in the major leagues. It's because they got hot. So whatever team's hot at the right time. I mean, Coastal Carolina a few years got hot at the right time. Yep. Nobody can say the Gators don't get hot at the right time. I mean, there's a reason why the best team in the country rarely ever wins the national championship. I think they expanded the field to 64 teams and had the Super Regional format installed in 1999. There's only been one number one overall seed since then to win the whole thing, and that was the very first year of the format when Miami won it as the number one seed in 1999. Since then... It, usually a national seed that wins it, but it's right. never the number one. And even if you look at the Gator team from 2017, that team was not the best team in the country. They were the best pitching team in the country, but they were not the best team in the country for the vast majority of the season. And then they got hot at the right time and found a way to win the thing. And I think you have to hope that's kind of the same for the Gators this year. Cause the odds tell you Arkansas is not going to win the national championship. And so somebody has to win it. So why not us? That has to be the way they think. What was Florida? Fourth seed, I think, that the year they won it? Am I right? I think they were three or four. Yeah, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah, but again, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, exactly. So, you know, it's the thing. The, the thing that concerns me is the depth of the pitching staff when they get to um, Omaha, if they get to Omaha. Um, and, and we'll see, you know, I mean, that's a long way down the down the uh, the road. But, you know, you definitely don't want to get in the loser's bracket because then that's when you have a little bit of an issue. But, um, yeah, so, I, again, I'm with you. I think Florida comes out of this, uh, this bracket um, and, and goes on. Personally, I hope it's, uh, you know, Florida beating South Alabama to get out of this bracket. Um, but for sake of a sellout, Miami, beating Miami. Yeah. And then you have to hope that Arizona State or Fairfield is able to beat Texas and you get a home Super Regional next week. Fairfield, what a team. I, Grand Canyon also got in for the first time ever. Didn't even know they had a baseball program. I thought they were some, you know, online educational school. That's why yeah, I've never. I didn't know Grand Canyon University was even a physical campus. I thought it was just an online thing. Yeah, I thought it was one of those things that you hear about. You know, do your work your full time job and get an education at nighttime. I thought that was one of those schools, but I guess I was wrong. So who knows? Uh, you know, we got to talk real quick about the rumors of Sully and LSU. LSU obviously has a, a coaching uh, job opening as Paul Minari um, has retired. You know, I'll say this. Do I think Sully's going to LSU? No, I, I, I don't. I, you know, I think Sully's been offered some of the best jobs in the country, including Clemson, where he was once at and loved. Um, Texas offered him. 
didn't go there. Those, you know, Texas is one of the premier jobs in, in the country. They can offer boo coodles of money. Um, you know, obviously LSU's a bright job. I mean, they're going to offer a lot of money. I mean, I see where upwards of $2 million or something like that they're going to offer. I just don't see Sully leaving. I could be totally wrong. I just don't see it. Yeah, and the, I don't think he leaves either, but I think it is sort of concerning that he's asked about it after the SEC tournament when they lose, and all he said was, I'm the head coach of the Florida Gators, and it's as simple as that. Like, you would think, what you would like to hear him say is, I love my job, I'm thankful for the people I work with, and kind of saying something encouraging, but it didn't really seem like he going to like he plan on doing that. Maybe you just caught off guard by the question, but... Hey, if you say that, you can't get a raise. You know, you, you have to say, hey, I'm definitely interested in LSU, and if you don't give me a raise, I'm going to LSU. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I guess. I, I just don't see how LSU would be any more appealing of a job than Florida. Cause I think there's this misconception that LSU is just going to throw way more money at him than Florida would ever be willing to invest in baseball. Well, Florida made him the highest paid coach in the history of the sport, at least at the time he signed the, his latest deal. I don't know if he still is the highest paid or not. But then they just build him this beautiful $65 million stadium and let him have hit a heavy say in the designing of the facility. So, I mean, there's not really much more of a financial commitment you could ask a athletic department to make to baseball than that. And then, obviously, you have about the same recruiting opportunities and the same ability to win a national championship at each school. So unless there's just something in behind the scenes that nobody knows about, I just I can't see why... LSU would be an attractive place to leave Florida for. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, you know, you, you have the, the the recruiting grounds, you know, uh, of Florida, and he's done really good with that, um, and he's developed that. Uh, you know, so, again, I don't I don't think so. And then you have to remember this, and that is him and his wife share custody of their of their uh, young young child, uh, Finn, their young son, and um, you know she's in Gainesville and um, and everything else, and you know that uh, you know family family always, you know I don't want to say always, but ninety percent of the time family always makes the decision you know easier one way or the other, and and I and I mean that is in family usually is able to push you one way or the other and and make the job, and I you know that's another reason I think so, and like you said the commitment that the the administration has put towards baseball to where. You know, they, they had the brand new facility, you know, they, they've they've invested in him and everything else. You know, I, I don't I don't see it. Um, you know, his contract I think goes through twenty twenty nine too, so I don't think so. I think it's a pipe dream, you know, every year uh, schools, you know, football, baseball, basketball, they always want to say that one of the top names in the country is coming to their school. Well guess what? It ain't happening most of the time. So, you know, am I saying 100% not happening? No, I'm not. But I'm saying that I would be shocked if Kevin O'Sullivan is not the coach at the University of Florida next year. Yeah, I, I would be stunned, too. And I think a lot of the speculation on the LSU side just comes to the fact that their athletic director is the guy who hired Jimbo Fisher away from Florida State when he was at Texas A&M. And then he just hired Kim Mulkey away, the women's basketball coach from Baylor to LSU. So he has kind of this history of hiring these big name guys that nobody really thought would leave and getting him to go to his school. So I think people just kind of assume that he can do the same with baseball and maybe he will get a big name. Maybe he'll get Jim Schlossnagel at TCU or somebody like that. But I just have a very difficult time seeing how Kevin O'Sullivan isn't wearing orange and blue next year. Yeah. And I mean, you got to think about this. Jimbo is ready to leave Florida state. 
it was already a disaster. You know, his wife, him and his wife had gotten a divorce. All the things that's going on with her in Florida State. He's ready to get out of there. You know, the, the basketball coach, she's from Louisiana. Kramer Robertson's her son, and, you know, he played at LSU. You know, so, you know, I, you have to put that in perspective, too. And You know, I know Tennessee's coach is also a rumor to be, you know, possibly going somewhere. So go get one of those names and, you know, and, and be done with it. I just don't see it again, and we'll see. Uh, real quick note, Tim Walton and the Gators, though, did get swept out of the Super Regionals in softball. Shocking, very shocking uh, that they lost, but not shocking at how they lost. They simply cannot hit the ball. Uh, their offense has been a, a, a disaster um, for the last few years, and it continues. Yep, they just, It seems like every time they get into a big game against a team with a really good pitcher, they just cannot hit the ball, or they'll get runners on second. And they just I don't know what the problem is with them, but it's just been a recurring issue for several years. They have two or three good hitters at the top of the lineup, and then it's just six or seven automatic outs pretty much, and you're not going to consistently be able to win like that. Because when they do win, it typically involves some sort of miracle finish, and eventually those are going to dry up, and you can't rely on having to have a, a super play at the end to win it, and that caught up to them, and you get shut out twice in a row. Yeah, especially when you don't have that one dominant pitcher. You know, and and that's not taking anything away from Elizabeth Hightower and Natalie Lugo because they did pitch bad in the series uh, overall. But you know, when you don't have that one pitcher that's going to come out and throw zeros up every time, you got to score some runs. And you know, when you when you can't score, uh, you know, they scored one run against you know the uh, the pitcher from Georgia all weekend. It just doesn't work, you know, and it, when you're not putting any hits together or anything else, it, you know, I've long said I hated their approach of getting up there and looking for walks and looking to be hit by a pitch. Get up there, be aggressive. You know, I, I always say the first pitch is a lot of times the best pitch you're going to see, and when you're consistently not just looking at it and begging for walks, you're not going to win very many games. Um, you know, I, am I – I, I don't know that it'll change unless Walton decides to make a change at hitting coach, but that's his good buddy. But I think an approach and a different game plan offensively has got to come soon for Tim Walton and this this team. Um, if they want to continue to be as dominant as they are, I think the game is is getting to be more aggressive. And, you know, like it or not, you got to be able to hit the long ball. And, you know, Florida does that a little bit, but they're, it's always solo shots because they can't put any hits together. They definitely need a philosophical philosophical shift because it just seems like they try to get they try to use themselves as the bat more than they try to use the bat as the bat. <laughs> and so it's just, I mean, I don't think relying on the other team's pitcher to make mistakes is not a great strategy. You have to be able to beat another team's pitcher when they're throwing well. And I think, like you said, they just get into too many two strike counts. I mean, hitting is known as one of the hardest things to do in all sports. So why not give yourself three cracks at it instead of giving yourself one 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 strike to work with? It just from a mathematical standpoint, you're hurting your chances of getting on base significantly by getting into a two strike count. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they go with that whole fake bunt, you know, square, and, you know, supposedly was to help keep their eye on it. I don't believe that that help keeps their eye on it. You know, you're moving your head back to position. You know, you're moving your body to get back into a hitting position. I don't see how that's, I don't see how it's effective. I, I think it's counterproductive, to be honest with you. You simply can't get loaded loaded on your backside when, you, when, you, uh, when you're doing that, you know, and your eyes are moving, so you're definitely going to see pitches differently, you know, when you're 
moving your head from down low to up, you know, from a bunting standpoint to a hitting standpoint, you're you're not going to see the rise ball as good. You're not going to see the drop ball change up as good. So I don't like it. I think, like you said, change has to be made. And, you know, if this team's going to continue to be a top uh, powerhouse uh, program, you got to make a change there. So um, any final thoughts on Diamond Sports? I think we covered it all. I think um, to go back to what you said about them using the fake butt thing, if mm-hmm. that truly worked, wouldn't you think you'd see that in like all levels of baseball? Like, wouldn't Mike Trout be squaring yeah. the butt before he, every pitch he saw? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, what does you know Florida's hitting coach know that the rest of the world doesn't know? You know, not not very much. You know, why is it? You know, I mean pitchers don't even do that in the major leagues and you know you would think that would be a strategy so yeah i'm with you i don't i don't agree with it um I, again i i think something has to be done and something has to be changed and you know I, it, it does seem like some of the recruiting has dropped off for tim walton um and uh you know that has to get back to where it was as well um but you know tim walton's a great coach and and he'll figure it out and you know, I, I do think he will uh, make the change, you know, uh, offensively to get things better. I don't know if he gets rid of his buddy or what it is, but I, I do think that, you know, that they'll get it fixed. Yeah, he's he's shown an ability to adapt before when he needed to. There's one time he went to Oklahoma City and they lost, and he said, I see what we need to become, and then I think the next year or two they won their first championship. So he he's a smart guy. He'll... I think he knows what the problems are. It's just a matter of trying to address them adequately and get things turned around and head in the right direction offensively. Right, exactly. So, uh, 13 visitors this coming weekend, uh, Ethan, and it's a uh, it's a lot of guys um, coming on campus for official visits and you know big uh, big weekend. Um, you know, again because of because of it being the first weekend, um, 13 guys overall, including uh, uh, Florida quarterback commit uh, Nick Evers, and, and he was a he was a hit all weekend or, or all week on Tuesday, um, all day on Tuesday. Excuse me, just you know, people really like his personality, really like him overall, and um, you know, I think he's going to be kind of that that head guy of of this class, and that's what you want. And you know, you got um, you got his good friend Evan Stewart coming in, the uh, receiver out of Texas uh that's he's really close to they play seven on seven together and uh also another guy in Gentry Williams is a you know receiver slash corner uh out of uh Oklahoma coming in uh they're very close as well and and it's in an offensive lineman Tyler Booker on IMG they're close so you know those three guys are three of the biggest names that are coming on campus and Evers already has that relationship with them and you know Evan um or Ethan I know you would agree that uh having a guy like Evers do that is big yeah, I mean, you can have your coaches talk to a player all you want, but the reality is they want to know who's going to be throwing them the ball for the next three to four years. So it's it, I think probably the relationship they have with their quarterback is going to be just as important, if not more important, than anything Mullen's going to be able to say or anything Billy Gonzalez is going to be able to say. And Nick Evers so far seems to be a really good recruiter. I don't know when the last time the Gators had a quarterback commit that was seemed to be this engaging and be this big of a draw maybe i don't know was will greer ever this big of a deal with recruits yeah i mean will was big you know matt corral was big when he was committed um you know guys really liked him a lot um you know obviously he didn't end up in the class um but you know 
Emory was so late into the cycle that he wasn't very big in it. Uh, Anthony Richardson's more of a quiet guy, so he wasn't very big in it. And then Del Rio and, and Kitna weren't as, or either. So uh, and obviously they didn't get to go on campus as much and, and see kids. So that's you know that didn't, that didn't help them at all either. Um, but yeah, so it's been a while since since a guy you know has has kind of been that that quarterback that's really been able to say, hey, I'm going to come be your quarterback, and here it is. You know, for him to be in Texas with, you know, with guys like a, a Evan Stewart and a Gentry Williams from Oklahoma, all those guys, I think it's big because he's able to get those guys on campus and, and then hopefully get them back to come back with him for an unofficial, you know, later in the fall. Yep. And they've gotten surprisingly good at recruiting Texas the last couple cycles, it seems like. They've gotten, I think, one or two guys every cycle. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been big, and hopefully, you know, that kind of continues. Uh, you know, you have uh Chris uh, McClellan that's coming in uh, from Oklahoma as well. He's good friends with uh, um, uh, Gentry Williams, and then two of the guys that are kind of top guys in the country on the defensive line is Anaya White out of Philadelphia, um, who works out uh, with uh, Dominique Easley, and then uh, you have uh, Walter Nolan out of Tennessee, who's a big five-star guy by most people. Two of those guys coming in for your first weekend. Uh, you know, you, you, we've said this before, and I, I think we said this a couple weeks ago, you know, one of the biggest needs for this team is getting some help inside on the defensive line, and, and you know, you look at a guy like Nolan, he's a big help there, and you can never have too many pass rushers. A guy like Anaya White is is a, is a big one there. And, uh, another one coming in is Jahiad, uh Campbell. He's a linebacker slash outside uh, um um, inside linebacker slash outside linebacker slash rush guy. Um, so to get those guys on the you know on campus in a position of need, in my opinion, Ethan's big. Again, it just is going to depend on if you can get these guys back on campus. You have to be able to get some some of these guys back on campus because you're using your official early on. Yep, that that is the risky run with having these early officials. Is you make a good early impression, but then there's a chance that's the only impression. So, I think, like you said, defensive line is a huge position in need for them. They seem to have a lot of speedy, athletic type of guys they've done a good job of getting, like edge rushers. Mm -hmm. But they've got to continue to beef up the interior and the, of the line and then the strong side in position because they're relying on a couple of transfers inside this year. And obviously you don't want to bank on getting transfers every year. So, yeah, getting some of those beefing up the interior is going to be a huge point of emphasis, I would think. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, you you've got to you got to be able to grow some of your own guys, and and I and I say that all the time because, you know, plug and play guys are only you know they only work all sometimes they don't work all the time and you know you you always run the risk of are they you know are they good fit for your locker room do they fit in with your you know what you have already you know you always run that risk and so we'll we'll see you know um, as we you know as we continue to go through this season you know how good of that you know how good they actually do fit in and all that stuff but to be able to grow your own guys is, is huge and you know to get those big name five star guys is is another big win if you can start to land some of those guys yep and you got and they've done a better job the last couple years they've gotten five star each of the last couple of classes you gotta find another one now because this is around the time where those guys start going off the board it seems like five stars don't usually wait until signing day as much anymore they're making their decision before their senior year so they're gonna have to start making some progress here over the next couple of months 
Right. To get some of those guys. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Ethan, I think that's all uh, that I have. Uh, we'll we'll be back next week. We'll recap the Gainesville Regional. Uh, we'll recap uh, recruiting and, and uh, hopefully be previewing a Super Regional against uh, Texas or Fairfield or, or one of those good schools. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about whatever else is going on. I'm sure something else will be coming down the line as it's never a, uh, a dying or boring time in Gainesville. Nope, there it certainly is not. I hope, hopefully, they get, I hope they get to play Fairfield. That'd be kind of cool because I don't even know what a stag is, but that's their mascot. Hmm, that's your homework. Figure out what that is. <laughs> oh, that is. See me googling, so it's not really. It doesn't really work that way. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, all right, Ethan. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, you'll be uh, you'll be out at the stadium all weekend. Hopefully, you get you a sellout, and uh, we will uh, be covering recruiting as well, having all those recaps as always. So, uh, make sure to check us out on the website at Gator Country and uh, on social media at Gator Country as well. And we'll be back next week to recap everything and uh, hopefully preview a uh, another baseball series. Uh, thanks, guys. Bye.